Thanks to Harry's for supporting Market Foolery, Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision. So they created a trial offer. Claim yours by going to harrys.com slash fool. It's Tuesday, July 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Jason Moser. Guys, welcome. Hey, Gents. hey. How you doing? How you feeling? Good. Feeling good? Feeling great. Good. Well, I am too. And on today's show, we're going to talk some health care, as in United Health. We're going to talk some Johnson & Johnson. Turns out, guys, not just baby powder. <laughs> Pharma. Having some tal talc problems. Yeah, there. well, talc, we'll get to that. I do find that my daughter really enjoys the baby oil in her slime production. Just for any of you parents out there who have kids getting into the slime game, apparently Johnson's and Johnson. Yeah, I just use like the old-fashioned Johnson Johnson shampoo for the Look first time Look in that. years. Already, great. already delivering value. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. haven't yeah. even gotten Listen, to our yeah. first stop. Yeah, we saw it. it was a little bottle right there. It was great. Okay, guys, but let's kick things off with Netflix earnings. Now, we've got some concerns over slowing subscriber growth, and Jason shares down around 8% at the time of our taping, but that wasn't near as bad as they had been at the open of the market. Now, I got to ask you here, Netflix, the stock, has been on an incredible roll. Their earnings were actually better than expected. So, is this a case of just unrealistic or unsustainable expectations, or is there a storm on the horizon? That is a very good question, and Thank you. I would just say maybe, <laughs> maybe to all of it, right? I think uh, no, I, I think probably the reaction mostly is attributable to the fact that it's not all that often that management misses their own subscriber targets. They're really good about hitting the targets that they set, and then often exceeding them. So when they miss their targets, I think the market sort of uh, takes a little bit of a step back and maybe uh, hits reset. To me. I mean, the stock has obviously had a great year. The stock, in comparison to the business and its obligations, is is a little out of whack. So, a little bit of a pullback probably makes some sense here. I think, but as as an investor, for me, the question is less about the number of subscribers. I mean, that's important. But I think Netflix is big enough now to where that that question is becoming a little bit less. Relevant and to me, the more relevant question is the pricing power that they're going to be able to exercise uh, with their subscriber base over time. I mean, Netflix is not going anywhere, right? They've they've got a pretty good product for the price that you're paying, and I think it's top of mind for anyone who is looking to get their first streaming service. Uh, but for me. I wonder how high they're going to actually be able to take the price of that subscription before people start to get a little bit turned off of it. Because I know personally, I'm close. I don't feel like their content's all that good, to be honest. And I don't know if you saw Josh Brown's tweet earlier today. He was talking about the fact they have so much content and not a lot of it is very good. And that may be a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a controversial opinion. I don't know, but I, I know personally for me. I'm not impressed with all that much of their content, and I find that the platform is becoming more and more difficult to navigate because they just have so much of it. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that that's a good point, Jason. I mean, I, I take a little. I disagree with Josh a little bit. I mean, like 130 million. Let, let's. And who's Josh Brown? Uh, Josh Brown is a. Uh, he, he's a. He a works at Reynolds Capital. Yeah, Reynolds Capital. That's right. Reynolds okay. Capital. And he's a wonderful. I mean, he's just he's prolific on on Twitter and writes a lot and very smart thinker. I mean, I to his um, point, there's a, there's 130 million members. Now at Netflix, globally, worldwide, on average, um, we watch 
two hours a day. Uh, we consume a fifth of the bandwidth out there uh, on Netflix. A uh, fifth of the total bandwidth of that's used goes to Netflix. So clearly, there's a lot of people who continue to use a service um, in, in in vast ways around the world as they continue to expand more and more globally. Now they have more international subscribers than they do in the in the U.S. Their their ads are their, their net additions, which is which was the concern with the stock price today. Mac um, came in a little bit lighter, and as Jason said, they missed their own expectations. First of all, they're very trans. Transparent about those expectations. It's fantastic from an analyst perspective, and they're very open and honest when when they hit that. Now they didn't give much of a reason on why that was, and they didn't really blame the price increase they put in over the last few months and and their average. Uh, um, their, their average price, I think, was up about 14% um, year over year. So, when you just think about the pricing power, to Jason's point, how much you will pay and what you have to pay for that, vis-a-vis what Netflix has to pay for that content. I mean, Jason, they're going to spend somewhere between 10 and $12 billion this year on content acquisition, both their own plus license deal. And Goldman Sachs estimates that by 2022, they could be spending more than $20 billion on content acquisition and developing content. So, Netflix is really developing into the studio plus distribution model. And as an investor in Netflix, people are wondering, is that the model that's going to be the future? Will they have pricing power for that? Will they be able to generate not just the profits, but also the cash flow to be able to sustain that? They borrowed almost $2 billion recently in the last quarter this year to be able to fund that. So, Mac, you're talking about a business that has just been humming. The stock price has been fantastic over this year and one of the drivers of the market in general. Certainly, when the, when the, the subscriber additions come in light like this, investors start to wonder, is are we starting to see a little bit of the challenge that Netflix will have for the future when it comes to their growth prospects? For me, it's all about Stranger Things. If Netflix didn't have Stranger Things, I don't know if yeah. I'd subscribe. Really? But you know what? That's incredibly powerful. It reminds me of HBO back in the day. At the end of the day, I don't think people have a relationship with Netflix per se. They have a relationship with certain shows with that the they show. love. And as long as you have a Stranger Things or your equivalent of a Stranger Things, then all the other stuff on Netflix can be over. Overwhelming. It can be junk. It can be stuff that I never watch, and I don't care because I'm getting value yeah. from that one show. Now the problem is you got to keep cranking out that one show. You got to keep cranking it out. And to Andy's point, I mean, they are closing in on 20 billion dollars in content obligations already. But I'm glad that you brought up the HBO point because that that's what I was thinking about this morning. Is sort of it's this it's it's these two different strategies that Netflix versus HBO. And we remember how Reed Hastings said they were trying to become HBO faster than. HBO could become them. But really, they are two different strategies to this point. And I think that Netflix has benefited from this, this strategy of producing a lot of stuff. And yeah, you're right. Most of it, I, I don't really care about. But they're producing a little bit of something for a lot of people out there. So, they have this tremendous cross-section of content where, yeah, maybe you don't like most of the stuff that's on there, but there are a couple of shows that you really do like. And they're really trying to do that uh, to, to be able to grow this huge audience, to cast the widest net possible. HBO traditionally has been a more concentrated content portfolio. Um, and, and, I mean, that's why they've not been able to grow that subscriber base quite quite the same way, and, and not to mention the fact that they were late to the uh, over the top game as well. Uh, but but it does seem like there are two very different strategies yeah. in in the way that they're spending to, to develop that content, and I think that's what ultimately brought that question in pricing power up to me because 
if it's not the place where I'm getting most of the stuff that I like, then how willing am I going to be able to pay X amount of dollars for it? And I don't know. That's going to be different for everybody. Uh, but but I think we're getting closer to, to really having to, to examine that question Here, as far as the investment. Here's goes. the key that I see for Netflix, or one of the keys, and we've talked about this over the years, and, and you guys may disagree with this, but. Um, th- as, as consumption of media becomes more and more fragmented, and it is, we have longer tales, we have more and more titles that we can watch, and Jason's absolutely right, there are, there are more and more titles that fewer and fewer people are watching, and most of the hours consumed, whether it's on Netflix or whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on, um, it, when you go to the movie theater, continues to be concentrated in, in fewer titles. So, just the overall volume, but the tale of number of titles is more and more fragmented than ever before. Here's the key with Netflix, and it's in their um, technology and the recommendation engine. And they've been developing this over the years. And I think they have a they they have a, a years ahead advantage of other competitors in this space, and it allows them to be able to buy those titles or develop those titles and develop the same develop the algorithm that tells Mac likes this, Andy likes this, Jason likes this, so the titles can be fragmented. It's much different than when you go into a grocery store. This is what I'm starting to see with Whole Foods, guys. By the way, too, you go into Whole Foods, and now like all the aisles are just jammed with stuff. That they're trying to sell you, right? Mm-hmm. So Netflix has the algorithm and the technology behind it to help me find the stuff that I want to find. Not just me, but also help my help my two daughters and my wife be able to find what might right be might might be right for them, and it allows them to justify potentially justify the amount the massive amount of dollars they're going to spend on titles. See, that's funny. I find that I mean, this I I find that that recommendation engine is lacking. And I find that whether it's Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or whatever, I more watch a show based on word of mouth from friends as opposed to what Netflix is recommending me. And I just, it seems like every time I go into Netflix, and I mean, it's not just Netflix. I mean, I can go to Amazon and the same thing will happen. But you could sit there and surf around for 30 minutes and find nothing that really is all that compelling. And then you've just wasted a bunch of time. But I think that to me is. That's where it's lacking is, and part of that probably is because there's so much content out yeah. there now. It is it is yeah. more difficult really to find what you want to watch, and so you rely more and more on that word of mouth from your friends. And, and there are some shows that I've caught uh, thanks to word of mouth versus relying on a recommendation engine, and, and that's where I kind of wonder if maybe they're not getting flooded with too much stuff uh, that makes it a bit more difficult to isolate and identify really the stuff that you're going to enjoy or that Mac is going to enjoy, because that is their goal, right? Per- Personalize it as, as, as well as they can. Um, it just it seems like they may have a bit of, of uh, too much stuff out there uh, to make it as effective as possible. I mean, it's high class problems for developed countries. I mean, the big story for Netflix really is international growth as they continue to put more and more effort, and more and more dollars in growing the international and entering all the new markets, especially India. They're spending a lot of effort joining India where they are very new to the market. Of course, they're not even in China really. So um, when you think about Going into markets where the markets are still forming and the profitability on the international side is so much less than what it is on the US side for Netflix, the ability to drive hopefully both growth and profits on international is a real opportunity for Netflix. So you want to continue to see both the sub growth as well as the profitability on international. But I think 
the technology and the offerings that they are bringing to international, specific for international markets, really does give them an advantage that no other play, no other player has globally. Now there are very niche offerings in those markets, but globally, uh, no one else does that. Like it's going to be does. fascinating the India India market. I think India was mentioned 21 times in Netflix's call, and we know that Amazon Prime is already making big inroads mm-hmm. into India. So I think both companies right there see India as a, as a great opportunity. It's a little bit more price sensitive, and so they think they're trying to figure out sort of the offerings there and how they can cater to, to customers' price expectations. But no question, a tremendous opportunity. Okay, guys, as we wrap this up, um, I want to um, talk a little about the external competition. Jason, you just mentioned Amazon. We mentioned HBO earlier. HBO, by the way, recently announced kind of a strategy shift or suggested that they're going to be focusing, I, I found the quote, on getting, quote, bigger and broader. So that'll be interesting to watch. But if you're Reed Hastings and you're looking at at your external competitors, who are you worried most about? And let's reel off a few. HBO, Amazon and their streaming service, or Disney. We haven't even talked about Disney streaming service, which comes out next year. Yeah, I mean, I think bigger and broader that you said in HBO, that's interesting because that's becoming a bit more like Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, so, for me, I think Amazon is really gaining a lot of steam in this space, but the thing that really interests me is how Disney is going to deal with Hulu going forward. And and I, I ask that because Hulu has a very compelling skinny bundle package now. It's around $40, $45. You can pay for commercial-free streaming along with live TV. So, you get your sports, your news, your live TV offerings from channels. If you're, if you're going to be watching some linear TV series, uh, I think that Disney has big plans with Hulu in some capacity with their offerings plus ESPN. Hulu has a lot of potential, and I think that's one where you have to start looking at it and thinking, hmm, maybe that's going to be a player that comes up pretty quickly in this space and and starts to compete a little bit more. Yeah, my worry with Hulu is just all the ownership structures they have and all the voices they have contributing to that story. You know, with something like Netflix, even Disney to an extent, but with Netflix, you have just you have Reed Hastings um, and his team just continuing to focus. I mean, I know Mac, you mentioned the com- the competitive landscape, and and certainly I imagine they 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 pay attention to what's happening in that space. But as I said in the conference call, and um, I've talked about in the past, really they're focused on driving their business and and focus on their engine and their their um, competitive uh, opportunity and what they have in their assets. Um, so I I. I when I when I look across the competitive landscape, I just think Netflix has advantages and has a has that first mover advantages that other global players don't quite can't quite match. Okay, guys, let's move on to United Health reporting better than expected earnings thanks to growth in their healthcare plan memberships. United Health also raising its full year earnings outlook, but Jason shares down on Tuesday. What gives here? Well, you buy the rumor and you sell the news, Mac, right? That's the old Wall Street bromide that gets thrown around <laughs> so often. Um, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about here. I think that in the, when you're talking about any investment in the healthcare space uh, for the years to come, I think you have to base that thesis on the fact that we have a massively growing demand for healthcare services, and we have a growing shortage of professionals in the space to provide those services. And so, companies are going to have to figure out ways to deal with this. Uh, And typically, uh, bigger companies have 
the scale and the financial resources to try all sorts of different things. And United Healthcare uh, or United Health Group is the biggest is the biggest insurer in the space. And so I think that's what makes it such a strong uh, investment idea is that they had the financial resources. Uh, they had the capability to deal with any and all regulatory changes in pretty short order, um, and it's proven to be a wonderful investment over time. It's it's uh, part of the healthcare and wealthcare basket that I introduced back in February. Um, it, it's performed very well up to this point. Stock is up about 13% outperforming the market, even with today's uh, selling. So I, I wouldn't really worry about one day's action on what was clearly a good report. To me, it, it, you know, I just read this book called The Healing of America by T.R. Reed. One of our members and listeners, Greg Gages, you know Greg, he, yep. he gave me the book when he was in town last. I can't recommend this book highly enough, because I think a lot of people try to simplify the solutions to healthcare, and it's anything but. And I think that in the U.S., we have a very unique sort of setup there. And I think if you read this book, it'll make more sense as to how our setup is here and, and uh, how it compares to other uh, health healthcare systems around the world. Andy shares of United Health up around thirty percent over the last year. What do you think of the stock? Yeah, it's, I mean, like, I mean, Jason hit the, the 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 most appropriate word that Jason used in his wonderful explanation of why why um, United Health continues to do well as scale. I mean, this is a company that can grow both uh, has been able to grow revenues and and profits at double digit rates. You know, for a two hundred fifty billion dollar company that has. About twenty-two billion dollars in cash and thirty-five billion dollars in debt. They continue just to to run at very high levels of of, um, of returns on uh, capital and equity, and have done that for many many years. As they continue to be just the key, the one of the key players in the healthcare space in America, um, you know they should be able to. They pay a little bit of a dividend, maybe yield one and a half percent. So it's not huge, and in a, in a day of increasing interest rates, maybe not hugely attractive, but the ability for them. To be able to continue to grow profits and um, revenues at this level um, for for the foreseeable future is quite high. So I think the stock continues to we 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 have as a recommendation as stock advisor, and I think it continues to be a recommendation. I, I think you hit the the dividend is the biggest black mark on them. I can't yeah. fathom why that thing is at like three yeah, percent. Right. I mean, they maintain this this medical loss ratio at 81 percent just constantly. I mean, there's so much predictability in this business. Guys, help a shareholder out, right? Just bump that dividend up to like three percent, and really, really reward patient shareholders there because they they clearly make the money to do it. Yeah, I mean they generate fifteen billion dollars in operating cash flow maybe a year, and they and then they buy back a lot of stock, you know, a billion to three billion or so. But they pay the dividend. They could probably bump that up a little bit, and they do have these little acquisitions that they've done wonderfully, mostly on just kind of bringing it into the United Health family. And guys, before we get to our final story, I want to say thanks again to Harry's for supporting Market Foolery. Guys, when I use my Harry's blade, I am just struck by how great, how close a shave it is. We were talking before the show. I know both of you are very happy Harry's users. That's got to be the best subscription plan I have, right? I mean, I want to thank Market Foolery for actually introducing me to Harry's because I don't think I'll ever quit. Hey, I was, I was, I was using Harry's before even my, they they joined us here at the Mar Market Foolery. So, uh, but like right here today, guys, a Harry's shave. Uh, I mean, continue just the way that it operates and the the usability of the website and the plans are just fantastic. Well, you both look sharp. 
And well, the I good think- news <laughs> is that Harry's has a special offer for Market Foolery listeners. Now, Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors isn't an easy decision. So, this is where this special offer, this trial offer, comes in. Um, and you can claim yours by going to harrys.com slash fool. Now, with the trial offer, you're going to get a $13 value trial set. That's going to include a weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. The trimmer blade is so underrated. Always a strong buy on the trimmer blade. Could not yep. agree more. Love it. You get a rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. That's all part of that trial offer. Now, Harry's delivers a close, comfortable shave at a fair price. Harry's founders were fed up with overpaying for expensive razors with unnecessary features, so they found a way to sell directly to you over the internet, and they can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand. And the good news is, if you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days, and they'll give you a full refund. So, listeners of Market Foolery can redeem their trial set at harrys.com fool. Make sure you go to harrys.com fool to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. Okay, guys, let's wrap up with a little company named Johnson & Johnson. <laughs> Shares up around 4% at the time of this taping. That is a huge move. It is a big move. For such a ginormous company. And Jason, it's all about strong pharmaceuticals. It really is. And I tell you, just a few days ago, they had, it looks like a jury ruled that they needed to pay $4.7 billion in settling this Missouri asbestos case regarding uh, the, powder. The, ba- powder. the baby powder. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Johnson & Johnson has the, the capability to deal with something like that, and I'm sure that's not the end of the, end of the uh, story for them. But when you look at the business itself, I mean, I think one of one of its strongest points is the diversity in revenue. I mean, they have the consumer segment, they have the pharmaceutical segment, and the device segment. Now, with all of that said, it's the pharmaceutical uh, segment that really brings home the bacon. It's responsible for close to sixty percent of operating profit, and I think uh, it's. I'm not the biggest fan of how over-medicated we seem to have become as a country. It does seem like there's a pill for every problem. Uh, but with that said, it does seem like the pharmaceuticals that you should that take are something leading, for that anxiety. <laughs> the pharmaceuticals that are leading to the company's success are pursuing markets like cancer. So obviously very applicable markets that that really are looking for solutions and advancements and in my my medicine is right here in this coffee mug mac i mean it's just a, a nice legal dose of starbucks to get me straightened out in the morning so okay guys well as we wrap up i get to ask my favorite completely arbitrary please do not invest this way at home question it's the desert island question you have to own one of these stocks for the next 5 years netflix united health or j and j Andy, you going first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first, and I will say, um, well, I own J and J, and J and J would be my least favorite of those three, actually. Um, so I would say um, for the um, consistency of earnings and and opportunity for investors to make a very low beta capital, I think United Health is probably the way to go um, for raw gains and. Changing the world, Netflix. What a hedge. Yeah, okay. exactly. So I'll say United Health and Netflix. I'm buying the dip. I may surprise you here. I'm buying the dip on Netflix today for for as many 
for as many challenges as they have and as much money as they're going to have to keep spending to grow that content library and grow that business, I the, the world is just looking to be entertained. And, and it, Netflix is just top of mind. Like I said, anytime anybody's looking to sign up for a streaming service, I mean, Netflix is the name, right? And I just think yeah. there are too many opportunities for them to succeed in the coming years. I'm buying the dip, baby. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Max. You can always email us with your questions or comments at marketfoolery at fool.com, marketfoolery at fool.com. Thanks again for listening to today's show. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.